0: To episode 70 of the atlas podcast my name is emma loggins editor-in-chief at fanbolt.com
1: i'm matt rodriguez the owner and chief editor of shakefire.com
2: and i'm mike mckinney from last one to leave the theater.com and atlcw.tv
0: and we're back this week after uh, <laughs> We suffered last week. Let's be real. Um, we can
1: actually I, talk this week.
0: We can. So it's a, it's going to be a better podcast. Um, last week, uh, Matt and I both got hit pretty hard with ConCred, which is what we call getting sick after a convention. Because you're just you're around so many people. You touch so many things. When you're around 82,000 people, it just, you're bound, like, there's bound to be, like, a virus or a cold or something that people catch, and I caught it not only once, but twice in the last two. Like, I got better, and then I got sick again. Um, but I'm better now. How are you doing, Matt?
1: Yeah. I'm pretty good. I am fully recovered, I would I would like to say, so, but yeah, like, it hit me pretty hard for a couple of days. It was just like, oh my god, I cannot breathe, I cannot move just It
0: yeah. was bad. It was,
1: it was pretty bad
0: And, and like, usually
2: I didn't get sick because I didn't share the <laughs> flask of doom
0: <laughs> It's not, it, there's other we people We don't know that, what
2: it was
0: I don't think it was a flask because Ming had no. some of our bourbon too and Ming was like, Ming is going yeah, to outlive us all like, Ming is a superhero Ming's, <laughs> Ming's,
2: Ming's a cyborg I'm convinced he's a cyborg because he slept like two hours a night and was happy and and energetic and everything else. The whole the whole con.
0: Yeah, he's um, he needs to be studied (laughs) like whatever he's doing is is right. I I don't know what else to say. But um, uh, yeah, other than that, we had a pretty great convention. Um, Both of my panels, um, one of which Matt was on uh, that actually that panel was really, really awesome
1: well thank you (laughs) no no that was that was a great panel you know and props to um cooper andrews because i mean he he definitely carried the panel and he was the big get for the panel and he did a he told some great stories
2: so he
0: really did the cool
2: thing was the cool thing was that they had to turn people away from that panel there were there were so many people that wanted to go to it
0: what can we say it was
1: it was a packed room it was i was was surprised like i was shocked because like my friend maria she texted me i think it was like at six and the panel didn't start until seven and she was like yeah i'm lined up outside there are already like a couple dozen people in front of me and i was like what (laughs) at an hour beforehand already people lining up i was got a little nervous there
0: no it, it turned out great and uh if you weren't able to make it up to our panel i actually have um an article up on fanbolt right now with a bunch of video in it including one of my favorite cooper stories that he uh he told during the panel um and danielle actually filmed that for us so i have that Wish.
1: Which, which story was it?
0: It's the airport story about how oh, cut, Cutlass got him in trouble with TSA. Yes, that was,
1: that was a great story. <laughs>
0: um, it's really worth checking out, though, so um, go go have a look at that. Um, trying to think of what other highlights we have from DragonCon. Our, our well, cos- we went to
2: Project Cosplay.
0: Yep, we went to Project Cosplay, which was another um, event that they had to turn people away from, so... Uh, they did a really good job with that. Uh, every yeah. year, they do a really good job with it. It's definitely not kid-friendly at all. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so don't bring it's, your kids it's to it. It's even
1: more vulgar and obscene than the monthly it is. project cosplay at Joystick. It is just... It's that times 100.
0: Yeah, it's um, definitely not for the faint of heart. If you get offended easily, then project cosplay at DragonCon is not something you should attend. Um... But that was great, and all of our cosplays were were pretty great. Although we we need to reconvene for next year for Gilmore Girls and do that on the day that Sean Gunn actually has his Gilmore Girls panel. And then we need to go to that, because the only person that actually got recognized out of our group was Carrie, who was cosplaying as uh, Sookie. And (laughs) that I... I mean, she was definitely the most recognizable out of all of us. So, And then you see I the rest I, of us. I would,
1: say, I would say Doug was pretty recognizable as Luke. I mean, he pulled off a really convincing Luke. And I haven't seen the show, but just from pictures that I've seen and stuff, I thought he
2: was pretty convincing. He was. Well, I'd, he, I would like to, I'd like to say I'm deeply hurt because the only group picture was taken, I was not in it. And it's the only time I've cosplayed. And I, I'm just, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get over it. <laughs>
0: We'll make it happen were, again you for doing, you.
2: Where were you? You were doing an interview. Yeah, I was doing an interview.
0: Yeah, we. Uh, I don't even know what we were doing at that point when we took the picture. I think it was because Ming, Ming was texting a uh, picture to Sean to Sean Gunn to see if he would uh, be able to come down and hang out for a little bit, and uh, so that's why we went ahead and, and took it. We're sorry, Mike. <sighs>
1: tears, Thank, tears, tears. Thanks, Mike.
0: <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh moving moving right along after that we uh, we had and we all got sick and then we all saw it and which we're going to talk about here in a minute well it was
1: actually it was more we saw it and then we got sick
0: that's Cause well, Tuesday
1: Tuesday I was feeling fine on Tuesday and then it was Wednesday that I woke up and I was like oh
0: yeah at all... I'm starting
1: to then it was downhill from there
0: yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough go it was, of it.
1: It was delayed con crud. <laughs>
0: um, well, we basically didn't do anything else, though, for the rest of the week, so we don't have a lot of other things to talk about. But I will say for next week, we're going to be talking about Cirque du Soleil, which we're all going to tomorrow night to the media preview of. And then... Mm. Um, this weekend, I'll be up in New York and New Jersey for Heroes and Villains Fan Fest, so hopefully we'll have some some cool stuff from that to to chat about as well. But and also
2: the Emmys are on Sunday.
0: The Emmys are on Sunday. I feel like we should maybe make some bets. Did we make bets? I That's feel like nice. we made bets when they announced the uh, the nominees, and I don't know if we...
1: For the Emmys? Yeah. I don't even know who's nominated. (laughs) I'm pretty Um, sure we didn't make bets.
0: Let's, all right, let's just do the main categories. Let's predict um, best show and best actor and best actress. And I'm going to pull them up right now so we can go through it. Okay. Yeah. So best drama. Here's your options. Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, House of Cards, Stranger Things, This Is Us, Westworld. That is horrible. Oh,
1: that is hard. Like, oh, jeez. You know, like, I am tempted to say The Handmaiden's Tale. I am, too. Just because of how many people we saw at Dragon Con who were dressed in that costume. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Like, it was ridiculous. I had no idea that show was so popular.
0: I didn't either. And it's not necessarily something that you think of uh, being popular in kind of the, the geek crowd where, you know, you would be cosplaying as something. But that was hands down the most like, the costume we saw the most. I even saw a T-Rex and a handmaid's costume. So, I mean, there was literally so many of them. Um, So I could see it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard great things about it. I could see it being between that, uh, This Is Us, and Stranger Things. This Is Us.
1: I mean, yeah, it's... God, it's just so... So many good shows. Like, they're all really good shows.
0: They are well, I, th- I,
2: th- I think This Is Us normally um, the Emmy doesn't give unless um, it's a comedy doesn't give uh, Emmys to a first year show they like to get a show established and then they'll reward it I think it's going to be uh, down between Stranger Things and Westworld
1: really
0: well those are both both of those have only had one season so one far season. so <laughs> technically okay, I, well I'm
1: blowing that it just, <laughs> and it and didn't didn't the crown win last year? No, um, the crown's also
0: crown's I new too, so. isn't it?
2: Yeah, I the crown's new also. Is it?
0: I yeah. thought
1: I remember. I thought I remember the crown winning a winning a ton of reward, a ton of awards. I thought um, it was the Emmys last season.
0: I'm looking it up now. Uh, Game of Thrones 2016, of Thrones. as it should be. <laughs> um and as it should be next year for sure um i don't know i think that usually the hbo shows i don't i don't think westworld's gonna take it this year i think at some point westworld will um but i really do i, could, I it's probably gonna be this is us or handmade that's what I, was,
1: I was gonna say i was gonna go with this is us, this is us
0: all right well our money is on on those. We'll see who's right next week. Um, comedy series. We have Atlanta, Blackish, Master of None, Modern Family, Silicon Valley, Unbreakable Kimmy Smith and Veep. Normally, I think it's going to be Atlanta. I think it's going to be Atlanta, too. I think yeah. that's almost a done deal. I'd be yeah. shocked if it wasn't. I think Veep um, won last year and it's won multiple years. Um, yeah. But I, I really do think it's going to
2: be Atlanta. But you got to remember, look how many times Modern Family won, even when it started going downhill. True. True. But I, uh, I'm, but, I'm going, but it
1: hasn't I, won recently. It hasn't. I know, hasn't. but
2: I, I'm not talking about Modern Family winning. I'm talking about Veep winning again. Yeah. I, think I, don't, who, I think that's who it's going to be.
0: I, I think that um, because of Hollywood's current state of things with politics, that even the spoof type shows or the comedy type shows in the political space is almost going to be a little bit too much um, to kind of highlight right now. So I'm, I'm sticking with Atlanta. Um, all right. Best Actor. We're only going to do Best Actor and Actress in Drama. So Best Actor in Drama. Um, Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us, Anthony Hopkins for Westworld, um, Bob Odukirk for Better Call Saul, Matthew Reyes for The Americans, uh, Lee Shriver for Ray Donovan, Kevin Spacey for House of Cards, and Milo Ventimiglia for This Is Us. Mm. That's hard. Um, I, I don't have a standout there. Um, that's... I'm I'm kind of leaning
1: towards maybe Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. Yeah,
0: yeah I, I feel like Either this, him
1: or Sterling K. Brown.
0: I could see Sterling K. Brown getting it over Milo for This Is Us for sure. I yeah. feel like This Is Us is really more about the ensemble instead of like one standout actor. It's more that they're all standout as an ensemble cast. Um yeah. But that being said, there's not really any other huge front-runners in this space, and I think Sterling K. Brown won a couple of other awards um, earlier in the year. I'm not sure if it was for This Is Us or not, but I remember um, things being well, he, tweeted out.
1: He won last year, I think, for um, the the O.J. Simpson miniseries.
0: Maybe that's what it was. Okay. I
1: think so.
2: Yeah, I'm, I think it's between Sterling K. Brown and um, and Anthony Hopkins. And I think I think I think Brown gets it.
0: I think uh, Mike is a closet Westworld fan. That's oh, just I, a... I love Westworld. <laughs> I do I watched, too.
2: I watched the uh, first four episodes.
0: <laughs> were, were you a fan? Why'd you stop?
2: <laughs> um, it's on my DVR. I just, I just you know it's that's a show that I, you have to kind of commit to watching intently, and you do. I, yeah, I, I haven't had a lot of time to be able to do that.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. You, you prioritize your film over your television. I can respect that. <laughs> um, all right, so best drama, or best actress in a drama, uh, Viola Davis for How to Get Away with Murder, Claire Voy for The Crown, Elizabeth Moss for The Handmaid's Tale, Carrie Russell, The Americans, Evan Rachel Wood, Westworld, and Robin Wright, House of Cards. I'm going to say Elizabeth Moss for Handmaid's Tale.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Evan Rachel Wood for Westworld. I think she she killed it in that.
0: She did. But I only saw um, one of her cosplaying at <laughs> Dragon Con. So it's totally not just, what i you're should just be discussing my video. What, whatever's
1: the most popular at Dragon Con. So so Gilmore girls would win everything and where where are the it, Mr. Robot nominations, hmm? uh,
0: well oh. Mr. Robot is taking its sweet time coming back, so I can understand why it's not it's not on here. Um, it was last year though, and um it won last year for a couple of categories. but i'm gonna go
2: I, with I'm gonna go with Elizabeth Moss.
0: yeah, team Elizabeth Moss. she didn't get the credit she deserved for Mad Men, so I feel like it's kind of overdue too, um in the sense of the you know them not recognizing her for past work so. We shall see Sunday night. I'll be watching it alone in my hotel room because I'll, I won't be here with you guys, but so goes it. I'll deal. <laughs> um, uh, well, let's jump into box office results. Um, this has been like the first week weekend um, in like a month or more <laughs> of like the box office actually doing well. Um, and the Uh, difference it's
1: it's more like one movie doing well
0: well yeah the difference between first and second place is absolutely hysterical Um, so it of course uh, the Stephen King movie came in first with 123 million coming in second place with 8.5 million in his home (laughs) home again Um, the hitman's bodyguard came in at third with 4.8 million Annabelle still hanging in there in the top five uh, with 4 million and Wind River coming in fifth with 3.1 million um so yeah i mean basically it was the only thing that people went to see at the box office this weekend which uh we were going to review it last week and then Concrud obviously happened so let's talk about it now because it was a pretty freaking awesome movie
1: it was i loved it i Uh, i actually saw it again did you yeah thanks to thanks to the movie pass (laughs) so i've been I've been able to see more movies now than I usually do, which is already an insane amount.
0: That's awesome.
1: It is amazing.
0: What did you think, Mike?
2: Um, I liked it. Um, My only problem with the movie is that all the scares are jump out of the dark scares. And also there is a pattern of, because there's seven kids and we get to see all these, the kids fears there's a pattern that keeps happening over and over of the kid being lured into somewhere, then being confronted by his fear, and then Pennywise shows up to try to kill him. And that ha- it just happened in a pattern too much for me. I still liked it a lot. I just, I didn't give it my I would pay to see it again uh, uh, review.
0: Gotcha. I, I really liked it. I felt a lot like um, if Stranger Things is actually like a really scary horror movie, it felt like that. And not just because uh, it shared one of the cast members of Stranger <laughs> Things, although that certainly didn't hurt. Um, I do want to kind of bring up a comment. And it takes place in the 80s? It does take place in the 80s. And um, it's basically, but like the, the verbiage that Finn, uh, Finn Wolfhart, is uh, using in it is a lot more. Vulgar than hit the Netflix series <laughs> Stranger Things. Yes, um, yeah, I,
2: I put it. I put in my review that that it's like uh, if you turned E. T. or um, Stand by Me into a horror film, that's yeah. what you would get.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's it's not appropriate for kids for sure, um, but it definitely no. plays off that nostalgia element in the same kind of way that you know Stranger Things does and of course the Duffer Brothers the creators of Stranger Things have talked about you know how Stephen King was an influence in in creating Stranger Things um, so you can kind of see some of the um, you know where, where the Duffer Brothers got some inspiration from which is kind of cool um, one thing I do kind of like want to Briefly mention and see if you guys have heard anything, anything about it. I don't want to get too deep into it because, like, I like to think that our podcast is appropriate for all ages. Um, <laughs> but there was a certain scene in the book that didn't make the film, and oh, when I yeah. heard about it, um, it's a very, it's a very weird sexual scene um, that seems completely uncalled for. Having seen the movie, and even people that read the book said they didn't really feel. Like, um this scene was called for. And then yeah. I realized that there's scenes like this in several of Stephen King's books where they he kind of pushes the boundaries with some sort of sexual content that involves children that seems just like really out of left field. And I yeah. I haven't actually read any of his books, so i'm not I'm not familiar with it. But when I heard it in context to this, I was like, Man, I, I think Stephen King may have some problems.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, we we ac- we were actually talking about that at the screening last night <laughs> about that one scene that's in the book but not in the film, and it yeah we're just like everybody's in agreement basically. Like I haven't heard anybody who actually agreed like oh yeah that makes sense in any context.
0: No, and it's like um, I guess it's just. When, I don't know when Steven was interviewed about it he said it was something that basically the the girl is um, you know taking control back of her situation and it's about her overcoming something and then but you well, that it, and it doesn't also make like, sense it just doesn't yeah. make sense
1: and like I've also heard, heard like it's the like that moment is the transition from you know childhood into adulthood basically for them
2: it it just Which, doesn't work. So, so we still might get it in the in the sequel. No,
1: <laughs> I don't
2: think we'll have that.
0: I don't. I don't think so either. And I mean, it just doesn't. If you want to learn more about this, there's a ton of articles about it online that you can kind of read about it in more detail. Um, it, it just doesn't so, make sense with the the content of the story. There's no way yeah. I feel like that you can justify that scene um, in the context of yeah. of this story.
2: So Dalmo Draft House did. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so Alamo Draft House did a couple of really cool things with this movie. Uh, the first thing, you know, they have they do a lot of trailers. Basically, tell you not to text or talk during the movie, and usually they do something with current films. They had the younger brother in the film. Uh, he's the kid that in the trailer you see is floating the the boat on in the street. Georgie. Um, yeah, and um, he t- He does this PSA where he's he's in the raincoat, and he's got the balloon, and he he, he just says, if you if you text during the movie, <laughs> you're gonna be visited by somebody, and then he just starts saying, um, what's what's the float line? You you'll float too. Yeah, he just starts saying the float line over and over and over again. It's really, it gets a little creepy at the end. Yeah, it's really he does cool. it
1: like he does in the trailer, in one of the trailers, where yeah. he repeats it over and it gets more and more menacing.
2: And then the other thing is, they had a clowns-only showing.
0: Oh, <laughs> I saw out. that. That was... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
2: the, and that the picture they did was they got one of their they got somebody to dress up in the raincoat and the balloon, and they were just surrounded by all these incredibly creepy clowns. It was, I just love Draft House.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> they do some pretty fun and creative stuff. Um,
1: if only there was one in Atlanta.
0: If only they need to get on that because we need one. Mm-hmm. Um. Alrighty. Well, uh, everyone should go see it because it's awesome and it's like basically Halloween horror season. So go go see that one this weekend. It's worth it. That being said, let's uh, transition into our official reviews, which we're going to do this week for American Assassin. And um, a quick little promo before we dive too deep into this one. Um, I am giving away a set of three Mondo style posters on Fanbolt that were designed by various artists um, for this movie. And they're really, really cool looking. So it's it's up on Fanbolt. Go check it out and enter to win a set of three of these because they're cool.
1: You had me at Mondo style.
0: <laughs> they're really, really, really cool looking. Uh, they're not Mondo I've, posters, I've, but they look I've seen like the they are. the bullet
1: one. The bullet one's pretty cool. I, I haven't seen the other two.
0: There's one that has a flag, and then there's there's like the flag poster, the bullet poster, and the CIA poster, and the CIA poster is my favorite. And I started kind of diving down the rabbit hole of the different artists that designed them, and there's the the one, um, I don't remember which one it was, uh, but it I have each one of the artists, uh, their website's linked on on the page as well, so you can see some of their other work. And there's a couple that have done, like, Star Wars stuff that I really mm. want to buy, and I think it was for Mondo because, like, they're not for sale anywhere else online, which yeah. uh, hurts my soul, but it's all right. Um, alrighty, well, oh, let's... that is really cool. Yeah. And by the way,
2: for you, for people listening that don't know, Mondo is the poster and t-shirt Offshoot uh, and music offshoot of Animal Draft House.
0: Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. I just thought it was yeah. a cool design company.
2: <laughs> nope, it's Animal Draft House. Also, they, in fact, if you go to Austin, they actually have a Mondo Gallery there. Yeah.
0: Where's that? Why haven't you taken me there, Mike?
2: It's it's pretty <laughs> far away from downtown. It's all all the way on the other side of the University um, of the University of Texas. So it's a pretty long drive. I'm just it's scared. not anywhere that we could we could walk to, and it would, and it's. I mean, it's literally like fifty or fifty-five blocks from from downtown.
0: I'm just that's here- an Uber away. Yeah, I'm just I'm just hearing excuses. That's all I'm hearing. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is a lot to do in actual downtown Austin, so I understand. I forgive you, Mike.
2: <laughs> well, it's either you either go to you either go to uh, Toy Joy, or you go to the Mondo Gallery. So tell me which one you'd rather go to.
0: You can't take Toy Joy away from me.
1: You can do both. <laughs> There's the plenty hap- of time.
0: Happiest place on earth is the Toy Story or the toy store in um Austin. It's amazing. Toy Joy, you should go there. Toy toy. All right, moving along without getting down a, another <laughs> rabbit hole. Um which one of you guys wants to set up American Assassin for us?
1: I'll set it up. Why not? Do it. So American Assassin, it's Basically, you know, one of those spy thrillers where um, it's based off Mitch Rapp, the character of Mitch Rapp, who is, um, it's based off a series of novels by uh, Vince Flynn. So Mitch Rapp, played by Dylan O'Brien, he's basically um, this young adult who his girlfriend is killed basically in front of him. They're on vacation, and she is killed by these group of terrorists And so basically he vows revenge and he basically trains himself in, you know, martial arts and guns and all that to basically get revenge on these terrorists and infiltrates their cell. And basically because of all this, he is being watched by the CIA and they decide to recruit him to this, you know, elite black ops unit that is led by uh, Michael Keaton. And so they they bring him in, and their mission, or their first mission together, is to um, stop the sale of a nuclear warhead. And they gotta got to figure it out who it is and go from there.
0: Cool. Um, well, on a scale of one to five, how bored were you guys in this? Did it, did it keep your attention?
1: I would give it a. 2.5 on the boredom. You know, it it does. Uh, there are some moments that where the film drags on, and you know, it kind of gets deep into the whole spies and assassins and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's really nothing new about it. I feel you know we've seen this type of film before. You know, with Jason Bourne or Jack Reacher. You know, it's it's that same formula. So you kind of know exactly the beats that it's going to take.
2: I'm giving it a three. Um, it's way too long. It's almost a, almost two hours in length. Um, and there are some really slow parts. And I also got really bored all the times that um, the CIA chief was arguing for Mitch Rapp and um, um, the... Michael Keaton character was arguing against him uh, to not have him on the team, and it just got boring after a while as far as that's concerned.
0: Well, that doesn't sound really promising. Um,
2: (laughs) The action, the action
1: is actually pretty good. I was, I was surprised at how well Dylan O'Brien transitioned kind of into this role. Like I thought he did a good job for that. Because, you know, he's he's the teen wolf, you know, teen heartthrob kind of kid. And, like, even the Maze Runner franchise, yeah, that's more, you know, the young adult novel stuff, you know. You don't, this is more, definitely more mature, definitely more darker and brutal.
0: So, um, Dylan O'Brien actually beat out a number of other kind of more established actors because his college age as as this article puts in quotes, um, gave them the hope that the actor would grow as the series progresses. So they obviously want to make more of these as there yeah. are more books, of course, as well. And the role was actually offered to Chris Helmsworth, uh, but he passed on it due to scheduling conflicts. So, the main role? Yeah. Wow. Lead role, yep.
2: Which he would be too old for it. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they talk about him... Um, the character after his um, fiance is killed, uh, dropping out of college, and um, and it's not it's not I don't know it's like only eighteen months after she's killed in that movie. Ma- yeah, yeah. So
1: I think, yeah, there's like a Hemsworth text. I think He'd be too old. I
2: think Liam I could could see do Hemsworth.
1: It. I could see Hemsworth in the uh, Taylor Kitsch role. That makes more sense.
2: Sure, but that w- that would work.
0: Or but yeah,
1: not as the lead.
0: Or Chris's equally as handsome younger brother Liam.
1: There you go. That he can pull it off. He can. He has that college.
0: Yeah, he's got that vibe face. to him. Yeah, he's um, a frat bro. He is, bro. Um, well, moving right along, uh, were you guys? I'm. I'm gonna bet yes. Uh, on a scale of one to five, how much were you uh, rolling your eyes? Um,
1: I don't know. Maybe a three you know, it was just the standard eye roll because of, we've seen this all time and time again and like, you know them dealing with, you know there's so much, you know the standard, you know, uh, spy thriller twists and turns, like oh, somebody's an agent, somebody's a double agent and it's just, you just get tired of the same tropes time and time again
2: I'm gonna give it a four, and here's the reason: is that um, in order for him to infiltrate a the the group that uh, killed his fiance, he becomes an expert on the Quran. And I'm like, in 18 months, you're an expert in the Quran. I don't think so, and also be able to speak. Um, uh, uh, I, I'm guessing Farsi, but Arabic, uh, an Arabic language, fluently, also.
0: It seems totally reasonable. I don't know what you're talking about. Um. I
1: don't know. I don't know. When you're devoted to one only one thing, maybe.
0: Maybe. I when don't know. When you're obsessed,
1: I mean, I don't know where he's getting his money and all that stuff. But this is movies, Mike. This is the well, movies. This is not. I think. He,
2: I think because uh, his parents have died in an, his in parents an accident. Parents died. Yeah. So I think he has some sort of trust fund. I think he mentions a trust fund at one point.
0: Maybe. I. I like how I'm you're sure trying to justify this with he's, he's able to pay to like live from his trust fund so he could devote himself to studying purely. Like, I like how we've uh, resorted to this and talking about movies now where we have to like justify <laughs> like how <laughs> like we just can't suspend like disbelief anymore. We have to have it make sense.
1: I'm sure the books go into more detail.
0: Probably. They usually do. Um. All right, well, best, worst actor. Uh, what performances stood out either as good or bad to you guys?
2: You know, well, I think I, uh, Michael Keaton, because he just has so much fun with the role. Um, he actually got looks like he got into somewhat of shape to, to be able to play this role also, but I, I enjoyed Michael Keaton's performance.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed him, but uh, I'm still going to give it to Dylan O'Brien just because it's such a big departure for him.
0: All right, um, I'm trying to, to look up the, the cast list on IMBD. What role did Michael Keaton play?
1: He was um Stan.
0: Okay, Stan.
1: Stan Hurley. Well, so he was the, the guy in charge of the Black Ops
2: program. And he's I, like a legendary CIA guy. He's like, yeah. you know, one of the greatest CIA officers ever out there.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, never mind then, because I had some fun facts, but that wasn't for that role. So we'll just keep moving along.
1: <laughs> well, what and role? Then for, yeah, for, You uh, can't leave us hanging.
0: Well, it, what? It, it was, um, they were talking about some of the other names, um, which kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, uh, Bruce Willis was attached to play the mentor of Mitch Rapp. I'm, well, I'm, yeah. not, I'm that's not sure that's if that's, that's, the
1: same, that's the same role.
0: Okay. Okay. Keaton, yeah. How do you uh, how do you guys feel about that choice? Do you think that was the right choice?
2: I mean, I mean, they're both they're both can play that role, which you know, the tough grizzled guy that that um, you know is in the twilight of his career and is not putting up with anything. They they both could do that role easily. Yeah. Either one of them could have been fine, and they both, like Michael Keaton, did bring an amount of fun to the role.
0: Yeah, I, it's funny because you know we were talking about how Dylan O'Brien beat out some more established actors because of his age, and IMDb also lists the other people that were considered for the lead role is Jared Butler, Colin Farrell, and Matthew Fox, all of which seem drastically too old to play yeah. the role that you guys are describing. <laughs> so,
1: um, well, they already tried Matthew Fox with his—I forget what it was.
0: Oh, has he already but done he a similar type role? He,
1: yeah, where, or I think he was the bad guy um, in the movie. World. It was, I forget what it was. World War but, Z,
0: was that it? Extinction, no. bones, oh no, that one's not out yet. It was uh, the one Speed where he got, he
1: got super ripped for, because he was like an MMA fighter.
0: Oh. Um, it
1: was a couple years ago. Um,
0: that doesn't look like anything I see here on IMBD. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just can't see any of this. Alex Cross. Alex Cross. That's not even listed on his. Oh, yeah, it is. Never mind. He played Picasso. Probably not the Picasso, probably a different Picasso.
1: No.
0: (laughs) All right. Um, Well, moving right along. um... We didn't give worst. Oh yes, worst. Who was worse?
1: That's what we're moving right along to.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: see, exactly. <laughs> Matt, Matt knows what I'm gonna say. I
1: know what you're gonna
2: say. Yeah, I, and I hated, disagree. I hated Taylor Kitsch in this movie. I absolutely hated. It. I thought he was horrible.
1: I thought he was fine. I thought, you know, he didn't, he didn't do much because he didn't need to do much. And I, I, I enjoyed the the torture scene between him and Michael Keaton. No, he only, I thought both he of over, them did really. He good.
2: overplayed that. He overplayed the crazy. Way overplayed no.
1: it. I respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm giving it to uh, Santa Laughlin. I'm probably butchering her name.
0: That's all right. She's basically
1: That's... she's she's the CIA director who who you know who, as Mike said earlier, gets into a bunch of arguments with with Keaton about you know you have to bring this kid in. You have to send him on his first mission mission to help disarm this nuclear bomb, even though he's never been out in the field anymore. And it's just like, she always felt like she was getting in the way of everything. Fair enough. And I was, I was just annoyed by her character.
0: Well, you guys aren't selling me on this so far. <laughs> but let's go. Let's keep moving along. Um, not a very high Atlanta recognition factor here as it was filmed in London, Italy, um, all around England, actually, um, but mainly England and Italy. So, yeah, no ATL factor there. Um, so, overall, on the official Atlas scale, one to five, what are you guys giving American Assassin?
1: I'm giving it right down the middle in ATL. You know, I, for what it is, it's a it's a fun movie for you know the whole um action thriller kind of spies and assassins kind of thing it it doesn't do anything new um it's a lot more brutal i would say than your stereotypical jason bourne um but i mean it is what it is it's not a great movie but it does i I thought the action was done well you know like i said i i enjoyed dylan o'brien's performance
2: I'm giving it a two point five. Okay. Um, I didn't. I the action sequences I liked, but I I hated Taylor Kitsch, and uh, <laughs> I, I. And it's and like Matt saying, it's not anything new that we're seeing. It's not a, uh, you know. And I, I it's I don't think that it's going to do great at the box office. I'm looking at this weekend. It still doing monster oh, yeah. business, like. You know, 45, 55 million. And I think American Assassin is only going to do like uh, 11 or 12 million. Yeah.
0: All righty. Well, on that note, uh, there's another movie that's coming out this weekend, though, that Mike described earlier before we started recording as a uh, lighthearted movie. Called first, they killed my father because that <laughs> sounds like a lighthearted movie. Um, Mike, you want to? Because
2: explain? that says family friendly. <laughs> yeah. All right, I was I was joking. It, was, it is not. It is definitely not a lighthearted movie. It's pretty pretty hard to watch. Um, it's based on a true story, um, and Angelina Jolie uh, directed the film, and she also co-wrote the screenplay with the um, spoiler alert with the person that um, is the main character. Um, it is basically takes place uh, during the uh, after um, U.S. pulled out of Cambodia and uh, Vietnam at the end of the Vietnam War and um, a fairly well-to-do family, very large family, um, is caught up in the transition from a traditional government to the Khmer Rouge and um, she undergoes just this little girl and she's I'm guessing seven. She goes through in, in just a couple of years, just an amazing amount of just horrible things happened to her and to her family. Um, in fact, she at one point is, is indoctrinated into the Khmer Rouge, um, is counted on to actually start fighting the Vietnamese. Um, you know, at such a young, early age, it is definitely, uh, Julie's best film. It is hard to watch, I said, but um, I didn't know too much about. I knew a lot about Vietnam, but I didn't know too much about Cambodia, and I didn't know much about the Khmer Rouge, which basically killed during their time of power between uh, just out-and-out murders, uh, starvation um, killed uh, one fourth of the Cambodian population in a fairly short amount of time too. They basically relocated everybody and made them go out and work in the fields and basically prison camps. Um, Or they became soldiers. And and that's where your two choices in order to survive. Um, Jolie does an excellent job with this film. We see this film through the eyes of the young girl. um, And the young girl is amazing. Um, She's just wonderful in the part. Um, It's heartbreaking. Um, I will give you a little spoiler in the fact that obviously she survives because she wrote uh put wrote the uh, co-wrote the screenplay um but it's an amazing performance by this little girl and um jolie does an excellent job cool
0: and that's out um in full release or limited release this
2: Um, it's it's gonna be it's a limited release uh but it's definitely coming to atlanta um it's a netflix uh, isn't it it is a Netflix, and so it also will be available very soon, if not already, on Netflix. Um, but it's a it's a really good film. It is tough to watch, uh, but it's it's an excellent film, and and Julie is a really shows that she can be a really good director.
1: How does it compare to um, Beasts of No Nation? Because i I watched the trailer for it, and I got very similar vibes.
2: Yeah, it's got it's got does have have that. It um, also the um, a film that was made in I want to say the eighties called the Killing Fields, mm, yeah, um, which is basically on the same same subject. Um, the the difference is is that um, this one, this one, um, the the main character never loses her, her humanity, um, and. That, that is one of the keys to where you keep rooting for her to, to survive, because she never loses, even though she's basically, they're trying to brainwash her at one point. Um, she never loses her humanity. And um, it's it's also, I, let's just say there's some hope in the film also. So it's not all dark and depressed, but a lot of it is. Gotcha. Um, it's not, it, and there are some scenes that are, I want to warn you everybody, also there's a couple of scenes that are very brutal as far as the uh, war scenes. Um, it's, it, there's a couple of places where it's pretty darn bloody and pretty horrific.
0: Gotcha. Well, um, you guys can check out that and it this weekend. And uh, next week will be, what, what movies are you guys seeing? I'm, I don't have any screenings next week. I don't know if you guys signed up for some.
1: There are a ton next week. I don't really? even remember what they are right now. Yeah, I know there's a no, lot one. of I'm
0: there's a lot of day screenings next yeah. week, which is there's why a lot I couldn't of day. make
2: them. Okay, so yeah, we've got some pretty um, got some pretty big ones coming up on Friday the twenty second. Uh, Kingsman: The Golden Circle is coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lego Ninjano. Uh, din- ah, didn't I did there Ninjago.
0: I'm Chago. Chago
2: movie, <laughs> um, also uh, a um, horror film called Friend Request, um, a movie starring uh, Ben Stiller called Brad Status, and another movie that I have no clue about, which is called Stronger.
0: Cool. Um, well, we'll we'll be sure to talk about all of those next week. Uh, in addition to our review of Cirque. And uh, we also have Project Cosplay coming up on the 21st at 9 o'clock at uh, Joystick Game Bar on Edgewood, so come out to that. This month is going to yep. be Stranger Things themed, so um, it was a toss-up mm. between Stranger Things and Walking Dead, which which one was going to get October, and let's just be real, <laughs> it's got to be Walking Dead. Um, so we're doing Stranger Things a little bit early, and it's going to be awesome, so come join us. It's always a good time, and less offensive than the Dragon Con version, so... <laughs> um, we hope you guys can join us for that. Uh, but until next week, uh, thank you guys for listening to the Atlas Podcast. Again, my name is Emma Watkins, editor-in-chief of FanBolt.com.
1: And I'm Matt Rodriguez, the owner-in-chief editor of
2: ShakeFire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney, a Taylor Kitsch hater. And <laughs> <laughs> I do my reviews on last one to the theater.com and ATLCW.TV.
0: Awesome. And we'll talk to you guys next week.